This is a book that has talked about so much of the frustration and struggles that we deal with in life. And, and the, the, the big idea that we've been talking about is this longing for something more that we have in our life. And you can think about that in all sorts of different areas. And we've, we've gone through, I think, 14 uh, different weeks looking at different things that he talks about where we long for something more. And that might be in relationships, that we long for something more out of our relationships. Or when we suffer, that we long for something more than just a life filled with suffering. Or happiness, that we long for more, to be able to experience more happiness. Or money, that we long for more money. And we long for more handle on our financial situation. And... And we've talked about fear, and we've talked about all sorts of different things of this longing, this desire for something more. And really, the author of this book has, has traced through and gone through his life experiences. He's talked about the way that he has searched, and the way that he has looked, and the way he has investigated life to be able to find something more. And he says, man, I had all the money in the world and I had all the resources in the world and I had, I had everything at my disposal to be able to experience something more in life. And it's really a, an autobiographical tale of him walking through the different things that he tried and the different things that he learned and the different things that he experienced. And, and I know along the way, some of us have found ourselves within the story and said, yeah, I've tried that too. And yeah, I I was wondering about that too, and yeah, I've, I've tried to explore that as I've looked for something more, whatever that might be, and, and this is what we have been looking at, is this desire, this longing for something more, and where can it be found? And it seems like all the time that we search here and we search there, and eventually it runs out, eventually it doesn't work, but today we come to the conclusion, and, and he's going to tie together kind of everything he's talked about of where do we actually find it and there's been hints and glimpses along the way it hasn't been that he has left us totally in the dark but but today he's going to say look here here's here's the bottom line here's where we find it what where do we actually find the something more that we long for in life what's underneath everything else that he has told us what's underneath all the different counsel that he has given us and and this is what we will look at today. And so if you're somebody that maybe is joining us for the first time or you've been here all the different weeks and are trying to figure out how do I put this all together, where is it found, where do I find this something more, he's going to give us really the bottom line of what flows underneath all of this. And so we will read this last part and then look at the answer to the question, the conclusion, the finale. Here we go. Here's what he says, Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 14. Besides being wise, the preacher, that's him, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he he wrote words of truth. This is basically summarizing everything that he has done for us thus far, that he was investigating, and he was putting together knowledge, and and he was putting together proverbs, and he was was with great care trying to, to help us understand and see and experience the truth. The words of the wise are like goads, And like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books. There is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so here is the question, what do we need 
to discover this something more in our life. What is it that we need? What's underneath kind of everything that he has talked about, everything that he has shown us? What do we need to discover something more? In our life, whether that's in relationships or when it comes to frustrations in life or it comes to money and our difficulty there, or it comes to happiness or it comes to any, anything that we think of. What is it that we need in order to discover this something more in life? And here's what he says, that what we need is wisdom. What we need is wisdom. And this doesn't just mean intellectual, um, it doesn't just mean this knowledge, it doesn't just mean an amassment of facts, it doesn't just mean um, to be able to be smart, but it's a wisdom of knowing how life works, understanding how life works with both the ups and the downs. Because that's what he's gone through. He is saying, look, there's all these different ways we think life, life is going to work out. Man, if I'm good, then, then God will love me. Or, man, if I, if I do the right things, then I won't suffer. Or, man, if I, if, I, if I learn and get educated, then life will go the way it's supposed to. All these different things that we think, if I do this, it'll work out. But he says, look, here's what we need. Here's what's underneath it all. You need a wisdom. But a wisdom that, that isn't just knowledge. It's not just facts but an understanding of how life works and how life doesn't work. An understanding of the different, the different complexities of life. An understanding that sometimes things don't go the way we think they're going to go. That sometimes good people suffer. That sometimes bad people thrive. That sometimes you do it all right and it doesn't work out. But see, that's a different kind of wisdom. A wisdom that has this understanding of what life is like. And he says that as, as the preacher, as the teacher, that he has arranged all of this stuff and that the words of the wise are what we need. And he says the words of the wise are what we need because of two reasons. He gives us two different metaphors of, of why we need, in order to figure out something more in our life, of why we need wisdom, the kind of wisdom that he's talking about. He gives us two metaphors. He says first that that it's like nails firmly fixed. It says the words of the wise are like these nails firmly fixed. And really that's kind of referring to, if you think about tent pegs, these big kind of thick nails. It says the words of the wise are like tent pegs that are firmly fixed. And here's what this means. My wife and I, uh, we just recently bought a tent. And uh, there's a lot of kind of tents out there if you're on the hunt for tents. I mean, you can spend like $20 on a tent or $20,000 on a tent. You can get your own mortgage on a tent or you can just kind of, you know, buy a little quick one and that pops up instantly, which always worries me. So I did, I did a bunch of research, was looking at reviews on tents and probably way too much than I should have, but it was looking through all the different reviews and watching the videos and watching. I mean, there's all sorts of, it's amazing. If you just wanted to be a tent researcher, you could have a full-time job. So if someone's looking for a job, there you go, and was looking at all these different things, and we, I found this one. I was like, okay, I think this is the one. I think this is the one. It was the $20,000 one. I was like, I think this is the one. I've got it. Not really, but I uh, was like, okay, this is the one. Uh, but the, some of the, several of the reviews were saying that the, the stakes were crap, that they just were not literally, but they were just not good. The stakes were not good stakes, and so if you wanted to get this tent, uh, you needed to get you, just your own stakes, some up, an upgrade on stakes. So then I had to do reviews on the stakes and see what kind of stakes are good stakes. But I found uh, these stakes, and we set it up actually this weekend in our backyard um, to just make sure we know how to set it up and, um, and try out the stakes. And, and this is what the people were saying in the reviews, and this is what's true if you've gone camping, is that you've got to get good stakes. 
If you don't get good tent pegs, if you don't get good stakes, I mean, that's kind of the foundation for everything else, right? If you've got bad stakes and a little bit of wind comes, the whole thing blows away, or a little bit of rain comes, or some storm comes, and, and the stakes pop out, or if you're like me and you're kind of lazy when you take the, the stakes out, and so then your tent rips, you want to make sure you get good stakes. And this is what he says wisdom is like. He says wisdom is like tent stakes that will hold it all down, that no matter what kind of storm happens, I love, I love the author of this because he's so honest that it can sound cynical, and I think sometimes he is, but it's so, he's so honest about life. And all through the book, he has said things of like, man, look, you're going to die, and you're going to age, and it's going to be really bad, and it's going to be painful, and you're going to be like a grasshopper dragging yourself along is what we looked at last week. And, and, and you're going you're gonna to grow in your wisdom and your understanding, and you're going to get educated, and it's not going to matter. And you're going to try all these different things at life, and it's not going to work. And you're going to think, man, this is going to bring me happiness, and it won't work. I love his honesty. And here's what he says, though. Look, if you want to be able to withstand life like that, if you want to be, look, if you want to just live a happy life where everything goes exactly as the movies say it goes and everything is perfect, then you don't need to worry about this, if that's how life really is. But if life is actually difficult and complicated and there's relationship drama and there's suffering that comes when, when you weren't expecting it and there's job loss when you weren't expecting it and there's betrayal when you weren't expecting it and there's, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that comes at you that you weren't planning for, if you want to be able to withstand life like that, if you want to be able to, if you want to, be able to have life like that, then you need wisdom. Wisdom that is like nails firmly fixed. Wisdom that is like tent pegs. It holds everything down. You see, what, what do we need in order to be able to discover, discover something more in our life? We need wisdom. A particular kind of wisdom that's honest about the storms and the trials that will come at us in life, but allows us to withstand it. Allows us to be firmly fixed. You see, all sorts of stuff is going to happen in your life that you don't expect. Do you have a kind of wisdom that provides a foundation no matter what comes at you? Or does your way of life only work when it's going well? And He says, you know what you need if you want to experience something more in life? You need wisdom that is like tent pegs. It holds everything down. And second, he says, you need a wisdom that is like a goad. And probably none of you have a goad. Or if you do, you maybe went to the doctor because uh, you didn't know what it was. But a goad um, may sound like a disease, but that's not what it is. A goad, if you have goads, goad is this thing that would prod animals, whether a sheep or a cow. Think of like a cattle prod, which probably most of us have not used a cattle prod either. But that's like an electric thing. That zap, it's like a taser for cows, basically, that moves them into the, the way that they're supposed to go. And a goad is this long stick, and it, it doesn't hurt the animal, but it's a long stick that shepherds or farmers or people using livestock would use to prod the animal in the direction it was supposed to go. And he says, wisdom, wisdom is like a goad. Wisdom is like a goad, and I love that because you know, you know what a goad does? It does two things. It keeps you on the right track, and he says, look, if you want to discover something more, the foundation of it, you need wisdom that's a goad that will keep you on the right track, that will keep you going in the right direction. Because we know this, right? We get off course. 
we kind of map out life or we think about life, or we think about decisions we're going to make, and we're like, man, I think this is a good decision, and we get off course. Some of you maybe have even said, okay, I'm going to try to get my life back on track. I'm going to go to church or I'm going to, I'm going to go to community group. I'm going to make friends, and, and maybe stuff is kind of going well for a little while. But you need the kind of wisdom that's a goad that actually prods you back on track because otherwise, we know this, we just fall off the rails. We just do. All of us have that tendency. And he says, thus, we need wisdom, a wisdom in our life that isn't just this, it doesn't just live in the head, but it's a wisdom that keeps us moving in the right direction. But the second thing that a goad does, it's not just that it keeps you moving in the right direction, it's that it keeps you moving, period. Sometimes if you're a cow uh, and you're just, imagine yourself as a cow. If you're a cow and you're just chilling there, but you need to go to the barn or you need to move along somewhere that cows are supposed to move along to. And I, I could make a pun about moving along, but I won't. Um, if, you, if you need that, then you need a goad to actually move you in the first place. And he says sometimes wisdom is like that. It moves you in the right direction, but it also just moves you. Because sometimes in our life, we're stale, we're stagnant, we're not moving. There is no progress, there is no growth, there is no change. We're just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with life like this. This is fine. I'm not actually working towards a, a destination. I'm not actually moving towards where I'm supposed to go. I'm just, I'm kind of fine. And he says, you need a goad. A goad that will actually get you moving in the first place. And so for some of you, if you feel like, yeah, life is just kind of what it is, and I'm fine with that. I'm not really thinking about growing. I'm not really thinking about what's next in my faith, and what's next with Jesus, and what does it look like to be faithful, and what does it look like to, what does God want me to actually do in my life, and how can I, how can I risk for him, and how can I be a part of what he's doing? And if you're just kind of like, yeah, this is fine, he says, look, here's what you need. You need a goad, and that's wisdom. See, if we want to discover something more in our life, whether that's in relationships or, or when it comes to um, our walk with God or, or whatever it is, if we want if happiness, if you want to experience something more, he says, I've tried it all. I've tried everything that there is. And he, he goes through for us. Man, I've tried food. I've tried sex. I've tried money. I've tried alcohol. I've tried parties. I've tried friends. I've tried learning. I've tried it all. But here's what you really need underneath it all. You need a kind of wisdom that will give you a foundation for life and a kind of wisdom that will be a goad that keeps you moving. That's how you'll discover. That's how you'll experience something more in life. But here's the question then. Where, where does that come from? Where do we get this wisdom that brings something more? Where do we get that wisdom who do we need to listen to in order to get that wisdom? Where, if, if, if it's all about this wisdom, if underneath it all is this wisdom that acts as a foundation, that acts as tent pegs, that acts as a goad, if that's what we need, wisdom always comes from someone or some, uh, from some source, then where do we get it? Who do we listen to in order to get this wisdom? So there's a lot of wisdom out there. And this is really important. It's really important on where you will get this wisdom because here, here's why this is important. The voices in your life, the voices in your life have a huge influence. We know that, right? Like the voices that we listen to have a huge influence 
on who we become. We are often, this is just reality, whether we like it or not, we are often a product of our life, who we are, personality and choices we make. We are often a product of the voices that we listen to. And that might be your parents, it might be teachers, it might be coaches, it might be friends, but we are a product so often of the voices that we allow to be influential for us. This, we are in so many ways the person that we've become, who we are because of the voices that we listen to. Think about this for you. I mean, who has had an influential voice in your life that you can say, part of who I am is because of that voice. Part of who I am today is because this voice was speaking into me. I remember in college, my friends used to make fun of me because uh, growing up, my mom, and this was just, this is just, I just thought of this example earlier today, um, just a silly thing, but my mom always said this, and I don't know if this is a thing that all moms say. I have never done a survey, so you can let me know this. But, but she told me, this was something drilled into us at an early age, all over, like she said this, never look in a woman's purse. That was something she said all the time. And I don't know, is that like common? Is that just my mom? And I remember in college, there'd be like, I, don't, I, I had one friend that would always make fun of me about this because, you know, female friends that we had, they, they might have their purse sitting out or something. And he was just kind of a nosy dude. And he may be like, oh, what do you have? And I'm like, don't do that. Like, step away. You do not know what's going to I don't even know what's going to happen because I've never, I still, this is true. I still, whenever my wife is like, hey, can you get my chapstick or something? I'm, I still feel like the fear of God of like, <laughs> what is going to happen? And I don't know, like, mom, what was in your purse? Like, is there a human hand? Is there, like, the documents that say who killed Tupac? Like, what's in your purse, mom? Like, I want to know. Uh, and that, that has, I mean, it's still, that voice, something so small, is still influential. Like, part of who I am as a non-woman purse looker is from, if that's a title, <laughs> it's on my business card, um, is because of my mom's voice. And you, and you may have coaches or people that said things, whether that was positive, of I believe in you, or, man, you can do this. And you're like, man, that, that part of who I am is because I was talking to somebody this week who, a negative voice in their life, saying, man, it's, I always hear this, poor, this person's voice as I'm trying to grow in my relationship with God and as I'm trying to experience faith in a new kind of way. I, I always hear this person's voice in my life that was a negative voice that always makes them second guess, that always makes them, and, and man, we've got these voices in our life all the time, right? All the time. And, and you may proactively seek out various voices to listen to, whether those are experts on certain things. If you're like, man, I, I want to learn about money, so I want to listen to whoever that is, Dave Ramsey, or I want to listen to um, a financial advisor, someone that knows about this, because I want their voice on something I don't know about to influence me. Or that might be with diet, or it might be with exercise, or it might be with... We are always seeking out voices to speak to us, to influence us, to become somebody different. And so where we seek out the wisdom and who we listen to it from is very important because we are often a product of the voices or of the wisdom voices that we are listening to. And often... We may not think about this, but what if God's voice was the voice that we were listening to? Most significantly, most profoundly, 
What if we could hear from God? See, as, as people, we seek out voices, as I mentioned, that can influence us in ways that we are ignorant or ways that we want to grow. And so you may have a friend or it may be an expert in some field, and you go, okay, I want to know about this, so I'm going to talk to this person. I want to know what they have to say about this. So I'm gonna... But what if we could hear from the most loving person that has ever existed? What if we could hear from the most wise person that's ever existed? What if we could hear from the most powerful person that's ever existed? What if we could hear from the, the person that knows life and that voice could actually influence us and we become a product of that voice? You see, what he says is we need to listen to God. He is the one shepherd. That's the, that's the language that he uses. He says that he is the one shepherd. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the, collection, the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd and it's capitalized in your Bible because it's referring to God. You see, we need a kind of wisdom that gives us a foundation for our life. We need a kind of wisdom that allows us to weather whatever storms come our way. We need a kind of wisdom that moves us towards something and a kind of wisdom that keeps us on the right direction. If you want to experience something more in your life, that's what we all need, that kind of wisdom. And it's important where we'll get that from because you and I are a product of the voices that we listen to for good and for bad. We are a product of the voices and the wisdom and the influences that are coming in to us. So where do we get the wisdom that we need that will bring something more? He says we need it from the one shepherd, from God. What if we could listen to the voice of the person that is the most wise, most loving, most powerful, most understanding that there is? Not an expert on a particular subject, but the creator of the world? What if we could listen to this one shepherd and become a product of his voice? And then he says this. This is really important. He says, don't brush this aside. Here's, here's what I know. If you're a Christian, and some of you are probably not Christians, and, and that's great. We, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. If you're a Christian, here's what your tendency is right now. If you're not a Christian, you may go, hey, this is interesting, so you actually have a leg up. But, but if, if, you're, if you are a Christian, here's what you think. Of course. Of course. Of course God is the voice that needs to be most influential. If you're a Christian, hearing that God should be the most influential voice in your life, if you're a Christian, hearing that God should be the one that influences you, that he should be the source of wisdom, if you are a Christian, here's what Solomon says your tendency is. is to go, of course, and then move on with your life. You see what he says? He says, this is really important for us that are Christians. He says, my son, beware. My son, beware. So he says, look, here's the wisdom. It comes from one shepherd. And in the very next line, he says, my son, beware. Beware. Why? I mean, you don't say beware unless there's some sort of danger that you would fall into, Right? To say beware is to say, look, there is a potential danger that you are about to go into right after I've just told you, here is where life is actually found. Here's how you can experience something more in your life. He says, I'm trying to give you the best I got. 
I'm walking through all my life experiences. I'm trying to give you everything. I'm trying to help you experience the longing for something more you have in your life. I'm trying to give it to you, but beware. Because here's the danger that we have. The danger we have if you're a Christian, if you're someone that that actually agrees with him, the danger you have is to brush it aside and go, yeah, okay, that's fine, but I actually need this. Now look, be honest. Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to be honest with anybody else. Just be honest with yourself. Who are the voices that you're letting guide you? More specifically, what are the books you're reading? What are the audiobooks you're listening to? For those of you that don't like to read. What are the audiobooks you're listening to? What are the podcasts you're listening to? What are the blogs you're reading? What is the, what's, what's the media that you're consuming? Whether that's news or blogs or books or pot, whatever, whatever. What's the stuff that you are letting fill you so that you can experience something more in life? So that you can experience something more when it comes to success or something more when it comes to business or something more when it comes to your emotions or something more when it comes to relationships? What is the media, the voices, the people that you're saying, hey, I want to learn from you. Is it the voice of the shepherd? Is that really the voice that is most significant for you? He says we he says this to people that agree with him because he says, look, this comes, you want the wisdom, it comes from one shepherd. But beware. But beware because our tendency is going to be, he says, look, the writing of books, there is no end. I mean, if that was true back then, think about, I mean, any of us can self-publish today. I mean, Amazon has this thing where you can literally self-publish today and they only like, uh, produce it per copy if someone orders it. So it's not like you have to have a giant stack of books in your trunk and sell them. I mean, and there's millions of books made every year. And that's just books. And he says back then, when paper was like probably, I, mean, I don't even know how long it took to make a piece of paper back then. And he says to the writing of books, there's no end. He says, but beware going beyond this. He's not saying this. He's not saying, look, you can't listen to anything else. You can't read anything else. You can't. That's not what he's saying. But his point is this. You want to know where you want wisdom that gives you a firm foundation. You want wisdom that keeps you on the right track, that keeps you moving. You want, you want that. You want something more in your life, which I think we all do. If you want that, you have to listen to the voice of the one shepherd. And then he says, beware, though. Because you're going to think, yeah, okay, and now I'm moving on to what I'm really going to listen to. And so this is a question that you need to answer for yourself. Nobody knows what you consume from a media standpoint except for you and the NSA. That's the only people that know. <laughs> and so you've got to answer this for yourself. Is the voice of the one shepherd really the voice that you're letting fill you? Or is it other stuff? He says, man, I want something good for you. I want you to experience the longing you have. And you're going to be tempted to go beyond it, to think you need something different, something better, something unique, something new. And he says, ultimately, though, it'll wear you out. 
It'll ultimately wear you out because there is always another book and always another blog and always another thing and always another idea and always another place and always conflicting sources. And he says it'll wear you out. And so what you need is the voice of the one shepherd. I love this because this is what this means. It means God says he's got a better wisdom that he wants for us. And it means that God says, I want to shepherd you. It means that God says, I want to shepherd you. So, how do we live to experience something more in this life then? If, if that's the voice, if that's the source, if that's where it comes from, it comes from the one shepherd. He says, look, you want something more in your life? You need wisdom. Underneath it all, underneath everything I've said, here's what you need. You need a wisdom that will goad you, that will be a foundation for you like tent pegs. The place that that comes from is the one shepherd. So then how do we live? Okay, this is the source. That's where it comes from. But then what do we do with this wisdom, with this voice from the one shepherd? How do we live? Not just what do we need to listen to, but how do we live to experience something more? What do we actually do? And he, and he says two things. He says, look, this is the end of the matter. This is the end of the matter. This is my bottom line. This is my conclusion. He, he gives it. It's very specific, and he just lays it out. This is the end of the matter. Two things. He says, fear God and obey His commandments. What does that mean? See, to fear God, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to be afraid of God. That doesn't mean you're supposed to go, oh, it's God, and run. To fear God in the Bible, which is a very common uh, image that it uses, a very common phrase that it uses, and he's used it here before. To fear God means that you look at God and there's a sense of awe that overcomes you. And that's true with whatever you're afraid of. If I know several of you recently have gone to the Grand Canyon, and if you haven't gone to the Grand Canyon, maybe you went to another canyon that was kind of big. And you've, you've stood there, the Medium Canyon, and you've looked at it. And there's a sense of fear that kind of comes over you, right? And, it's, and there is a fear of like, man, I could die and fall into this. But there's also just this awe. So whatever we're afraid of, what that means is we've got this awe of, man, this is big. This is powerful. There's something going on here. So to fear God means to look at God and to be in awe. It means to really understand who he is and the dimensions of who he is and to go, wow. And if you're afraid of something or you have a fear of something, if you have a fear of something, it controls you. Because if you are, if you, if you do stand next to the Grand Canyon, in that moment, what's controlling you is a fear of the Grand Canyon. And you go, okay, I'm going to step back. And it controls you, the fear, the awe, the 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 glory of it, it controls you. And he says, look, here, here is, here's how you need to live in order to experience something more. As you listen to the voice of the one shepherd, there needs to be a fear of God, which means you actually see who he is and worship. That you are in awe of him. You, and, and then that controls you. The same way if you're afraid of a spider and you see it, in that moment, it controls you. You go, and you run, right? And it controls you. <laughs> it might be louder or less than that, depending on um, who you are. Um, but it controls you. But to fear God is to look at him, to see who he is, to be in awe of him, 
And to let that then control you. To let it change you. So he says, look, here's how you live. You fear God. Not that you should be afraid of him and scared of him, but that you should recognize who he is. And then that should actually be the center of your life. That you would look at him and go, man, there's something about him that is different, that's powerful, that's way beyond me, that should change me. And then to obey his commandments, which is a direct flow from that. He says, here's how we live once we hear the voice of the one shepherd. Here's, so you hear the voice of the one shepherd, and what do you do? You fear God, and you obey his commandments. And this is a word we do not like, right? Nobody, nobody goes, you know what word I love? Obedience. Right? I mean, there's words we love, donuts, joy, Christmas, frappuccino. Like, there's words we love. But we do, nobody's like, uh, top five favorite words, obedience, right? That doesn't happen. Why do we not like that word? What is it about the word obey that he says is actually the key to experiencing something more of how we're supposed to live that freaks us out? Why do we hear the word obedience, obey, and we go, oh, no, you know? Why? It's because we love our freedom we love freedom. And obedience is in direct contrast to our freedom. We love to be free to just do what we want to do. And we think that freedom comes when there's no constraints. We, we want to be free and we think that freedom means no constraints on us. This is really interesting because here's what this means. It means that we may actually read the Bible or go to church or, or talk to Christian friends or go, okay, I'm going to read this. I'm going to listen to the voice of the one shepherd. Sure, I'll, I'll listen. I'll read. But we still want to be able to do this. We want to be able to go, but I'm going to assess what I want to do and what I don't want to do. I'll, sure, I'll listen, but I still want to be in a position of control. I still want to be in a position of, I, even if you actually go, I agree with all of it, but I'm in control. I'm taking it in, and then I get to, I'm not really giving up my control of it. See, there's a lot of us like doing, watching things like TED Talks or something, right? And you might go, man, I agree with this. This is a great talk. I like this. I, but, if, but if Ted said, hey, in order to listen to this, you have to obey it. Then you'd be like, I don't want to listen to this stupid crap. Even if you actually agree with it. There's something that changes from I agree with it, I'll listen to it, this is wise, this is good, this is helpful, to then, hey, you've got to obey this. Because that makes us feel like I've lost my freedom. I'm not in charge anymore. I'm I'm not in a position to be able to assess what I will and will not do. I don't want one shepherd I want a lot of sources, and I'm the curator that gets to look at a little bit of this, a little bit of this. We've got kind of a salad bar approach to God, to faith, to life. I would like a little bit of olives. I'd like a little bit of baby corn or whatever. I haven't been to a salad bar in a while. And, and go, man, I want a couple of these things. I guess lettuce. I mean, that's kind of an important part. See, we don't like obedience because... We want to stay in control. We don't want to lose our freedom. And we think that freedom comes as we are able to stay unconstrained and in control. But what he says is this. You want to know how to experience something more in your life? 
You want, to, you want to be able to experience the longing that you actually have for life that has something more in it. Then you have to listen to the voice of the one shepherd and obey him. Listen to his voice and obey him. Not just if you agree, not just if you assess, okay, this is good, but listen and obey him. Who would you become? Who would we become if we actually said, I'm going to relate to God as a shepherd, one that I actually say, you are in control of my life, not as an advisor. With an advisor, you take their input, right? You listen to them. You say, hey, I'd like you to give me advice. I'd like you to give me some advice and, and maybe I'll even get a second opinion and I'll take some of your advice and I'll take some of your advice and I am in control deciding what parts of the advice I'll use and what parts I won't use and what parts fit for me today and what parts might not quite fit and what parts I'll save for later. That's good. I'll save that for a little bit, five years from now. Who would we become if we didn't treat God and his word and his voice as an advisor but as a shepherd, as the one that actually knows. You see, an advisor is good if you're kind of on an equal playing field in some way. An advisor is good if, if you respect something they have to say, but you also respect your own opinion and this person's opinion. An advisor is good in that case. But if somebody is the authority, like hands down the authority, and you are not, then you listen to that person. Like if you've ever been in a situation where you knew nothing at all about whatever it was, but you knew this person, they're the authority, then you, this is what you do. You don't just go, I'll take some advice. You say, I'm submitting. I listen. Like I've been rock climbing before once. Most scary thing I've ever done in my life. And I don't, didn't know anything about it. So whatever the person said, I did. Because I would have died if I didn't. Say, this clip, this is all I have for my life. And I will listen to you, whatever you say. It didn't say, well, I, you know, I, I think that's interesting. That's a good point. But I think the rope should go here. Ah! You know, I didn't do that. <laughs> or I've been skydiving, same thing. I didn't say, you know, I think I'm going to pull the parachute. Yeah, I, I like that opinion. That's a good perspective. But it's a little outdated. I think I'm going to pull the parachute about now. You know, I didn't, I didn't do that. I said, because you're the authority, because you really know, and I don't, I, like, tell me what to do. I submit. And see, if we were to relate to God as a shepherd, not as an advisor, who would we become? What would happen? Because the reality is, he is the authority. He is the authority, not just on a particular subject, not just on rock climbing or skydiving or finances or, or relationships, but he is the authority on life. Solomon says, do you want to experience something more in your life? Or do you have a longing ever in your life to go, isn't there more to this than this? Do you ever have a longing of, man, I want more out of my relationships. I want more when it comes to joy. I want more when it comes to God. I want more when it comes to, to purpose. I want more when it comes, I want more. There's got to be more to this. 
He says, if you ever experience that, here's what you need. You need a shepherd, a life shepherd, whose voice can speak to you and lead you, guide you. He says, this is what you need, a shepherd for your life. And to obey him, to fear him, to know who he is, to see him, to be in awe of him, and to obey him. Not to just hear him. Man, that's so important. You can listen. You can even listen to the voice of the shepherd. But that's not the same as to say, I will obey you. You become the product of the voices that you let influence you and that you obey. Who would we become if we said, I'm going to trust that you are the authority on life, that you are the shepherd, that your words will be a foundation for me, that your words will be a goad for me, that help me move in the right direction, that keep me going when I want to stay still. I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to actually obey you. And when you've done that with other experts in your life, if you've ever kind of consulted someone that was really an expert in their field, when you've done that, you have experienced a thriving if you went to a financial advisor and you said, tell me what to do with my, and they gave you good counsel and you just said, okay, I'm going to do it. And you went, oh my gosh, this is great. Or with exercise, you walk into the gym, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this weight. And, and someone's like, look, I'm going to train you. You're like, okay, I'm going to do it. And you actually listened to them and you were like, man, look at this body. This is great. Or with whatever, a doctor, I've done physical therapy before in my life, and I've done it like two different times, and one time they gave me all these exercises, and I'm like, okay, thanks, and threw them on the ground, and then was like, man, my back still hurts, and man, my whatever, you know, car accident, was like, this, this life sucks, and then another time it was like, okay, I'm doing whatever you say. It felt great. If you've ever listened to an expert and let them give you authority, you became the person you were wanting to become. You had the something more you were longing for. But what if you could listen to the voice of the shepherd, the one that knows life? Solomon says, this is the key. Here's the end of the matter. Fear God and obey him. Don't just listen to him. Obey him. Let his voice be the most influential voice. Beware of thinking that you got to move beyond that. And then... Obey it. What would happen? What would happen? Here's what this means. I don't know what it means for you exactly, but where are you afraid to obey God? Where are there things that, that the voice of the shepherd has spoken and you go, I'm afraid to do that. You may know that specifically, or, or maybe it's this. Maybe it's that you're not even listening. Is the voice of the one shepherd the most influential, prominent voice speaking to you? What changes would you need to make for that? Reading the Bible, being here at church, listening, obeying. Listening, obeying. Here's the last thing as we close. What can help us want to obey this shepherd? Because I know that's scary. 
It's scary to think, I'm going to actually say, okay, you're the authority. That's scary. It's a much more comfortable position to be in to say, I'm going to listen a little bit and kind of take it in and, and use it, take it as counsel and advisement, but I'm still really holding the reins. It's scary. What can help us get to the place where we just say, tell me, speak to me, I'll obey you. Hard, easy, disagree, agree, speak to me, I'll obey you. What can help us get to that place? And in order to get to that place, we have to understand what kind of shepherd he is. And, and Jesus, when we come to Jesus, I love this. He talks about himself as the one shepherd. And here's what he says. Jesus says this, I came that they may have life. That's us. That's his sheep. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's that something more in life that we long for. Jesus says, I came for that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. He says, look, if, if the guy's just getting paid to do a job and there's a wolf coming, he goes, well, I'm not getting paid enough for this, and walks away. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The hired hand sees the wolf, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, if, if we want to be able to obey the shepherd, if we want to be able to say, look, I actually am just going to give you the control and say, it's yours. My life is yours. And I want to become the person that your voice leads me to become. And I want to become the person that obeys your voice. No matter what it is, that is hard. But Jesus says, look, here's, how, here's what I want you to know about me. I want you to know the kind of shepherd that I am. I'm a good shepherd that cares for my sheep, that owns my sheep, that knows my sheep. He says, look, I know it's a lot for you to, to trust that I want abundant life for you. I know it's, it's a lot for you to trust that I came to give you the something more that you long for. I know that. But let me tell you what kind of shepherd I am. I'm a good shepherd. I'm a shepherd that lays down my life for my sheep. And what does that mean? When did Jesus lay down his life for us? You see, what the Bible teaches is this. Solomon ends his passage saying this, that part of why we need to listen to God, part of why we need to obey God, part of why we need to do that is, he says, because God will bring judgment on every deed that we do, secret and not secret. But you know where that judgment goes? You know where the judgment goes when you have not obeyed God, when you have not listened to God, when you have listened to other voices? You know where that judgment goes? When Jesus shows up, when he says that I lay down my life for the sheep, what that means is judgment should come to us. For all the ways we have not feared God, for all the ways we have not obeyed God, judgment should come to us. But Jesus says, instead of it coming to you, I'll take it. That's, that's what the cross is all about. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep, which means Jesus said, I will take the judgment for all your sin, for all the ways you've disobeyed me, not listened to me, not, not trusted me as your shepherd. I'll take all the judgment for that. 
Instead of it going to you, it'll go to me. That's the wolf that's coming. That's, that's the enemy that we're in danger of is our sin. And Jesus says, I will instead take that. I'll be eaten and torn to pieces for you to save you from your sin and from your foolishness and to bring you into life with me. You see, the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus is a good shepherd that lays down his life to save us, to bring us into relationship with him. And when we take communion, that's that's what we remember. His body was broken. Jesus used the image of a, a wolf tearing him apart. His body was ripped. His blood was shed in order to bring us something more, in order to bring us life, in order for the judgment not to go to us, but to go to him. And if we believe that that's the kind of shepherd he is, you know what happens? We go, command me. If that's really the kind of shepherd you are, command me. If you're the kind of shepherd that would be torn to pieces by a wolf for me, command me. Don't you want that kind of shepherd in your life? Who would you become with the voice of that shepherd speaking to you? Let's pray, and then we will sing a few songs and respond in prayer and communion. Father, we thank you for this book that you have given to us. We thank you for the words that we have been able to hear and listen to to help guide us into experiencing something more in our life. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our good shepherd. That you are not a shepherd that is trying to take from us, as we often fear, but you are a shepherd that came to give life to us. We thank you that you are a shepherd that gave up your life for us. You are a good shepherd, Jesus, and we thank you for that, and we praise you for that, and we pray that even now as we sing and take communion, that you would help us to remember that you are the good shepherd. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.